creep. Cash a hundred milli check. I get paid just to breathe. Kill it 24-7 cause I slay in my Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 744 with a review of Dumb Money. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue for the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, in our first post-TIFF episode, we are talking about a film we could have caught at TIFF. And uh, <laughs> during the course of this review, we're going to find out whether or not we care that we missed it. <laughs> But, uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy to be back. Um, we've had nasty air quality in San Francisco for the last week, but it's clear again. So it's nice to uh, just be able to breathe and podcast with the windows wide open like, I, like I've always wanted to do. Except not really, because the sound quality would be worse. <laughs> but yeah, it is nice. I, I did spend like a week with not a single window open and like air purifiers in every room just going off. And I was like, yeah. I, I miss outside air. I need the cool air. Like, I'm not the most outdoorsy person in the world, but I found I very much miss outside when I have to spend more than, like, two consecutive days without not even breathing outside. I could be inside if I could at least, like, open the window and feel the wind, you know? Uh, being yeah, completely yeah. cooped up is just a huge, huge pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely somebody who always wants a constant stream of outside air passing by you, um, which is a little gnarly <laughs> during the winter yeah. when it starts to get actually pretty cold up here. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice to have circulating air some way. And, you know, since yeah. all these houses are all, uh, you know, older construction and stuff, and there's no like AC or anything, there is no circulating air unless it's coming from outside. So, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I'm a big believer in it. And in general, I always think if it's cold, you can always wear more layers. So it's fine. Like, have have the fresh air. Like, when I sleep, at least, I like to be chilly when I sleep so I can get all under the covers. That's my that's my preference, as opposed to the kind of, like, stagnant feeling of, you know, not having a breeze or anything. And then it, there's just something I don't like about it. And this what, is all great if, banter for dumb money. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what if I transitioned into our first rat ad read for chilly sleep? <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, speaking <laughs> speaking of hot air, um, a lot of people think that uh, the financial system is made of people who are full of hot air. <laughs> is that an insult? You're... Full of hot air? They're blowing hot air? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hot I air is so. involved. Yeah, 100%, Stephen. Um, you know, hot air inflates things. Um, hot air yeah. rises much like uh, stunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> All right, Stephen, before we get started, do you currently or have you ever owned any shares of GameStop stock? Um, you know, I do not, but in marriage, all property becomes communal property. <laughs> and so hypothetically, I partially own a single share of GameStop stock. <laughs> you might own 50% of one share. I do. Yes. Yes. Nice. I, I definitively own 50% of one share. Joanna bought during the dip, I believe, way, way, way back around the end of this film, just kind of for fun. <laughs> just a just single share. And there. we just have watched just to see what has happened over the years. I think it's finally climbing a little bit, but, you know, it, it's not going to pay off the mortgage, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, while I am a Robinhood user, I do not own any shares of GameStop. Um, you know, caveats abound. This is not financial advice, but I tend to buy stock in companies that uh, if that company were to fold, 
my least the least of my problems would be the fact that I had stock in them because mm. the rest of my life is governed by the things that they make. Um, and uh, I, 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 I was never a fan of GameStop, so uh, I didn't buy into this craze that was, was happening, but I did watch it from the sidelines and wonder. I mean, man, if GameStop went under, where would I get my booster packs? I feel like I need, I need them. <laughs> I need to get more holographic Charizards. Don't just grow on trees, Chris. <laughs> you I, that? Yeah, I want, <laughs> I want listeners at home to know. I, I just pulled out. <laughs> I thought you were just saying a that, holo- and then you showed me an actual Charizard. I, I pulled out <laughs> a holographic Charizard Pokemon card that I don't believe Chris knew I owned. <laughs> I just so he was like, "Why would I buy GameStop stock? All I do is buy Pokemon cards, <laughs> and their value is kept constant forever." Amen. Oh, oh man! This is this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, there's no video, so people won't see. Yeah, they can't bask in the glory of the holographic Charizard, which I. So that the side story there is, I grew up, you know, playing Pokemon cards, <laughs> and all I ever wanted, holographic Charizard, was like your whole life is set. Like that was the dream. <laughs> that was the dream was you would get a Charizard. Um, I never had one. It never happened to me. But at some point in my life, I must have told Joanna <laughs> about that dream. <laughs> and she kept that in mind. And for, I think, my birthday last year, she was like, you know what? You can own a holographic Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel just a little bit stronger with this uh, 100 damage fire spin uh, <laughs> attack that I'm able to do now. I could decimate your deck. Oh, man. I would have to have a deck for you to decimate it, Stephen. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, I can't wait to see the bounce rate on this episode on YouTube. (laughs) What do you say, Stephen, we get into this review of Dumb Money? Uh, When I bought into the card, it was only a Charmander, so I I bought during the dip. (laughs) Let's get into the review. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Dumb Money, and then we're going to come back and give you a dumb review. Holy fucking shit. I will tell you, I've never seen anything like it. Holy fucking shit. It's the craziest I think I've ever seen. Everything okay? 11 fucking million dollars? What are you gonna do? Get a Ferrari? What the fuck? Oh, language. The baby's here. Yo, what up, everybody? Roaring Kitty here. I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting, and that stock is GameStop. I love this guy. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this? Dumb money, man. Happy to take it. Wall Street is betting that this company is going to fail. But if it fails, these hedge fund assholes make a shit ton of money. 70,000 people have watched this video. Kitty, I love you! If he's in, I'm in. If he's in, I'm in. GameStop, those shares not stopping. Those stocks only going to go up. When they hit, I'm going to buy you a mansion. Let's drink to that. My brother is a fucking nerd. Wall Street must be seeing this, right? Holy fucking shit. Holy shit. You should probably dial in. Holy fucking shit. Do you have a minute? I, uh, um. Babe, how much did we make today? Five million. 
How much did we lose today? A billion. And yesterday? Four million. And yesterday? A billion. Babe. Yeah. We're like really fucking rich. You got rich dudes pissing in their pants right now. They're coming after you. We need to talk about the GameStop situation. Hold that down. Retail traders always lose. <laughs> You've been served. Wall Street cheated. Surprise, surprise. You have to testify before Congress. The game has changed. What's the point of winning the race if you let some dipshit steal the prize? A lot of people feel the system is broken. The whole idea of the stock market is if you're smart and maybe with a little luck you can make your fortune. Certainly not anymore. There's no hope for the little guy. Shitballs. Maybe now there is. Fuck yeah. All right, so that was the uh, trailer for Dumb Money, and which is basically the story of uh, what happened to us just like two years ago uh, when a bunch of retail investors, uh, Dumb Money, went and took on the big guys and, uh, you know, were bumping up the cost of uh, GameStop stock. Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Dumb Money? Yeah, so I thought this movie was entertaining enough and not much more than that. Like, like maybe it's damning with faint praise to say that I think by far the most entertaining part of the movie is the fact that it's the true story. Um, <laughs> like, the, the reality <laughs> of the situation is electric, and I felt that thrill. And it was cool to get to live it firsthand, you know, rather than experiencing it in headlines the way that I did back in, you know, 2021 or whenever this was really hitting its peak. Um, I definitely felt the thrill, kind of like the the feeling of gambling like that that thrill of like oh my god this number might 100x just for the hell of it are they going to blink before the other guys blink like there's just something in it that is innately exciting and i also think this movie the memes are very entertaining and this movie like taps into the meme culture and it is very good at like showing how the internet presumably in actuality i assume they didn't refilm all of these things they're actually just pulling them from the internet um how the internet responded to the GameStop phenomenon and fed on it. All that I found very entertaining. Um, I also think Paul Dano, at least, is really good and convincing as Roaring Kitty. Like, I kind of believe this meek guy with strong convictions who he cares about the money, but he also cares about this principle, and he maybe hasn't fully realized the gravity of what has happened when this game that he is playing has switched from being a cool game into a real weighty situation worth tons and tons and tons of money. Um, but with that said, I felt like a lot of the comedic beats were just kind of off in this movie. Like, first of all, I don't know if it was just my screening. The volume didn't even feel right in this movie. I felt like <laughs> when the soundtrack was playing... I couldn't even hear what like Vincent D'Onofrio was saying for half of his lines in this movie. Um, I don't know if that was just me or if that was everyone's experience, but there was something about the movie that felt like it was, it was so much style in the way of substance that there were a lot of times when I felt like it should have been coasting off of the excitement of its premise. And it just kind of wasn't doing anything with it. I, I don't know. The, the energy and pace of this movie didn't totally work for me. Um, which is weird because I was gung-ho about it going in. Like, I thought it was going to be a whole <laughs> lot of fun. Um, 
I also think the movie has a kind of muddy message or point of view because this movie I don't want to spoil deeply the real phenomenon, even though it happened and we all lived through it. But this movie <laughs> is structured as a David and Goliath story of a, we're going to root for the underdog. We're going to see how all these regular people completely fucked over Wall Street and what happened with that. And the problem is the real story, by and large, at least in large numbers, does not bear out that narrative. Um, the real story that we lived through is way more muddy and complicated and in the end, big money always wins, right? Um, and yeah. there's something about that where it's like this movie was straining so hard to be one kind of cool story, and then it was stuck telling the truth, but the truth doesn't fit with the style that it was trying to impose upon it. That I, did, I don't know, I, I found it very confusing. I didn't dislike this movie. Like, I had fun beat to beat watching it, but I, to me, this this obviously wasn't a social network or a big short but I don't even think it was an Air or a BlackBerry either. These kind of recent movies that have just told a incredible true story and had that kind of electric quality, that thrill of being there. I feel yeah. like this, the story here was entertaining enough that I was still glad I watched it, but I feel like the filmmaking really was not adding much to, to the story at all. So I personally, leaving this movie, I was not kicking myself for missing it a tiff. I do not think this would have been a epic, amazing screening or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it just kind of fizzled for me. I don't know. I, I was surprised at how little I cared about dumb money. How about you, Christopher? Yeah, so I don't have any problems with like them trying to make a story this quickly after the events actually took place. But I think it is sort of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say misguided, but like I, I feel like it wasn't really telling me a, a, a full story. Like it felt like it wanted to, as you said, do this David versus Goliath thing. And I, I like the idea of picking a few handful of people who experienced it and kind of showing their story and watching the story through their eyes as it goes on. But I also feel like that was sort of a little bit of a misdirect, right? Because the whole thing it's trying to tell us, it, like this entire thing in real life and in the film is trying to say that, hey, all the little guys can go out there and make a big change what you know maybe that change gets stomped down in the, at the end by corporations yeah. but in theory it's like we can rally our money together us normal people into it here's the thing you know it's really exciting to have it smash cutting between a bunch of characters going like oh my god it's up a hundred percent it's up four hundred percent oh my god at its peak gamestop was dollars which means mm -hmm. even if you bought it at the lowest point the economy is a scale of how much money you had to dump in to actually get $11 million, $44 million. Like it's, I feel like it's not a normal person's amount of money to dump in that. Right. Like I, I feel yeah, like I, I thought at least in the parlance of the movie, it seemed like it went north of, so I'm surprised that it was only, it, it, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, Unless a little... that was market cap that they were looking at or something. I know. I think it was the percent increase that it was doing. I think they were showing it mm. like it's up this much percent. But the problem is it was starting from like six dollars. So like going up 200 percent, it, it, it just the average person who was getting into it and especially getting it into to it towards the end of it, like they weren't making 11 million dollars. Right. Because even if it bumped, like if you bought it at dollars, even if it went up one more dollar, like it, it's not like, you know, it, it just feels like a weird thing where they're trying to show like, hey, 
you know, we can all throw our money in. But it was like nobody was making out like that. It was only the people that already had a bunch of disposable income or could sell something else, you know, to, to be able to dump it in. Like if you weren't putting tens of thousands of dollars in there, you weren't getting, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars back. Right. It was like, like even mm. what's weird is like the, the there's a character we see who works at GameStop, which I'll talk about in a second, because I think that was actually one of the most interesting things contextually with the story. But that character, his first buy was like $192 or something like that, which is like supposed to be his entire net worth at the time, right? And he's like, all right, submit it. There's no way he went from $192,000 to anything meaningful. Clearly, he got more money like inserted from somewhere else to try to like start earning money. But it's like one of those things where it's like the average person who was like, GameStop's going crazy. I'm going to put like $1,000 in there. It's like, that didn't get you anything, I don't think, right? (laughs) Yeah, so I I just Wikipedia'd it and it said that at the height of the short squeeze, it hit a pre-market value of dollars per share, which was 30 times the valuation at the beginning of the month. So I think in that period of time, there was even more volatility, maybe, unless I'm missing something about how the math works out. But even hmm. to your point, 30x, I've thought about this when it comes to roulette wheels, right? Like, what if you put it all on green, right? What would happen? And even 30x, you need a pretty big number going in to be hitting millions of dollars going out. Uh, so your point still stands. But I think the economy of scale is more than just a 5x or something. Yeah, yeah, but it just seems like... Hold on, is that true? If I go to max... Google did me dirty in earlier Google searches then. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I take it all back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I if I am looking correctly, and again, the height of the squeeze was only like a day, but at the yeah. height of the squeeze, it went to almost dollars. And at the all-time low in 2020, which is when this movie pretends to start, it was around like $3. So there was hypothetically in the best, best, best of cases a 30x people could have done if they bought at the lowest point or 100x that people could have done if they bought at the lowest point and sold at the highest point even still then that turns 200 dollars into twenty thousand dollars not million dollars you know yeah yeah. so still people needed some expendable income to shove into this in order for it to be a life-changing amount yeah yeah so so either way my 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 numbers are wrong but my general point is still like there's an emotional truth (laughs) yeah yeah like like, this film treats it like a bunch of people like everybody was just buying into it and everybody was getting rich this film is not portraying Mm -hmm. the people who were trying to capitalize on things and like you know when robin hood comes in into into this like robin hood had fractional shares right so people could just pick a dollar amount and buy into that. But when you're buying a fraction of a share, if the share goes up 100x, you're getting a fraction of the 100x increase, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's like, I, I just feel like there's, the story wasn't rounded off enough to show that like, sure, people who got in early and sold when it was high, like could have suddenly got rich and they were really taken on the man and I'm doing air quotes right now. But like, it, I, I feel like it was it was missing the reality of like, hey, a, we probably can't just do this all the time. Like they tried to do it with AMC um, and it didn't have the same results. And and I think it's like a thing where the film is trying to be like, hoorah, 
the little guys can take on the big guys. And really, if we all just stand together and do this thing, we can sort of do whatever we need to to like all get rich. And this is our great story. And in really reality, I assume more people lost or didn't make any money than people who got to be on Reddit showing off their bounce, uh, bounce yeah. pages and stuff and, and like celebrating yeah, this money. That's the hard part about it. And the movie, it tries to pay lip service to that, right? Like people criticize it as a pyramid scheme in the movie at some point, And they talk about all of this, but there is something where, yes, the villains here are Marvin Capital and the financial people. And there was a hope in the short squeeze that that money that they were accruing was coming from those financiers, right? Like they have to double, triple down. And so they're pumping money into the system, which you are literally taking uh, for your own value. But I believe the reality in aggregate is as more people jumped on this bandwagon, they didn't jump in when it was $3 a share. They jumped in when it was like $100 a share. They jumped in when it was climbing. And the people who lost money are the ones who paid for a lot of these other Redditors yeah. to accrue wealth. And yeah. there's something <laughs> yeah. messy. The I mean, it's always a zero-sum game, but there's something really icky or weird about that, where this movie frames it as like a fuck you to the financial systems, but... The financial system is mostly fine. Like, I'm not saying it's good. I mean, it's intact. Like, the damage done to it was minimal. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah, it's yeah. regular people who joined the hype train that actually got hurt as often as they succeeded. And that's, like, a weird thing that it grapples with a little bit, but it makes the vibe of the movie not quite work. And, and it'd be one thing if, like, imagine imagine a, a different world, right? Which, and, and once again, I'm talking out of my ass, so maybe this isn't even possible. But, like, in the world with fractional shares... Imagine if everybody in the United States decided to put $1 into GameStop stock today, right? Mm -hmm. So collectively, it's the entire United States all spending that much on whatever stock is there and then artificially inflating it. So any person who is participating is really only investing $1. So there's no loss to everybody who's participating, but the meaningful mm. gain to offset what the short sellers are trying to do is, is shown right. that way. Like that is a, we're all in yeah, solidarity. There, yeah. There, there, there's no reason for anybody to sell because you're, you're, you're going to make whatever your portion of the stock with the dollar was right. Like, so, so, so it, it doesn't behoove anybody to actually sell their holding and you're all just in actual solidarity staying diamond hands, blah, 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 whatever. Like that would be an interesting thing to do. I don't know <laughs> if you would get subpoenaed by the government uh, for trying to enact something like that. But like, at least then it's like a, Hey, we're all fairly, we're all invested the same amount and we're all the real true reward is taking on the people who are short selling. Um, but instead, what we get is like this one guy who started it, who is having his money go way up. And it's like, of course, you are like diamond hands, diamond hands, because because you, you're the big number that makes everybody celebrate. Um, I, I think, honestly, like the most interesting thing to me is there's a point in this film where uh, Wall Street Bets gets turned off or delisted or whatever the hell, mm -hmm. however it works on Reddit. And uh, some people are like, I don't know what to do because I can't look at his his bounce sheets every single night. And then some people are like, well, I'm immediately selling because yeah. like 
the, the guy who's telling me not to sell disappeared from the internet. Now I'm going, now it's hilarious to me that he couldn't just have his own website. Um, you know, you could go to yeah, squarespace.com totally and that. set up your own site to, to put your balance sheets on there. But like the idea that like suddenly Wall Street's bets down, I'm selling because fuck it, I'm out. Like that, that was kind of an interesting moment in the film. Um, but it just, it just feels like a weird story when it's not actually talking about the people who lost money. Because that to me is mm-hmm. more interesting. Like this film is, is, kind of told it's this this film is not a cautionary tale it's just a and in the end the bad guys are going to win anyways but it's not really a cautionary tale there are probably a ton of people who did at the wrong time decide to you know reverse mortgage their home or something and like you know yeah. try to buy into GameStop to to participate in this and then lost a bunch of stuff and this doesn't show anything about that the one character that i do want to talk a little bit about which to me was actually the most important interesting thing of this film is the character who does work as a GameStop employee because the media is talking about how like the hedge fund guys are undervaluing this company. They think the company is worthless. Everything's going away. All the other people are like, we're boosting it up because we want to make money. And he's like, no matter who wins here, I'm either losing my job <laughs> or, yeah. you know, like it was, it was a thing where like it was interesting to see an employee of the establishment while the world is warring over the value of the place that you work at. Like that was an interesting mm-hmm. idea. I don't think the film really did enough with it, but at least that was kind of, I was like, huh. It must be weird to just be at work. First of all, it's the pandemic. So rarely yeah. is anybody coming No one's going in. to GameStop. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to GameStop during the pandemic. But when somebody does, you know, they're there for five seconds because they get what they want and then they leave. And you're just all day just doom scrolling on your phone and watching people just war over the thing that pays your bills in a way where they are either wildly making out or they are, uh, you know, potentially going under. And it just it was a very, very interesting thing to depict. But yeah, that's that's my spiel. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I hear you. It's um, it's weird because there is some fun to be had in the fact. The problem is the fun of this movie is that a bunch of regular people made Seth Rogen sweat. You know, they made him uncomfortable. They made all these people have to get subpoenaed. They made them look like asses. Notably, the movie does not really talk about what happened to the people in the finance places at the end. How did they make it out? They talk about, like, Melvin Capital, what happened to them. But that's just an idea, right? That's just an entity with some liability or whatever. Um, And I assume the fact that they don't name the people makes me think, oh, the people were just fine. (laughs) Nothing nothing bad happened to the people at all. And that could be spun as a, like, fuck it, let's be cynical. Isn't it terrible how the little guy never wins no matter what? But the movie doesn't play that way. And I think that is the... It's just the odd thing about the third act of this movie is it can't sustain the pump-up narrative that it's trying to give you. And I feel like that just... It, it hurts it because you could have a movie that has a kind of downer of an ending and you build to it in a way where you're saying something insightful about the economy and about capitalism. But this movie just more felt like a, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it's following everyone trying to be representative of the phenomenon, but it's still with the soundtrack and with everything else, it wants it to be a fun ride. And there's something about the desire for fun that it has that doesn't seem like it's writing checks that it can't cash, basically, because the story does not end that way, um, at least not in a meaningful way. We get like 
we get the con- congressional hearing, which is as close to like a climax as this movie gives, where it's like all the finance people talk and they all sound stupid. You know, the Robin Hood people sound stupid. And then Paul Dano talks and we get to hear the the voice of the people finally come through and have his uh, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer moment, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's fun. Like that works, but it's just such a muted climax compared to the heights that the movie is setting up for it. So yeah, it, it's just a kind of weird movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's it's trying to be fun, and sometimes it genuinely is. There are moments that, like, I, I it's not like I was laughing out loud during this film, but there's definitely mo- moments where I, you know, gave out little chuckles, or I was like, all right, that's kind of fun. Um, but it, it's, it feels, it's still, like, it feels like what this film should be is remember when we were all doing this, and instead it feels exactly like it felt then, which was, I am not participating in this, but it's happening and everybody's talking about it happening. And now I'm just watching another film where I am not participating in it, but it's happening and everybody's talking about how it's happening. You know what I mean? Like it didn't, it didn't make me feel like welcome to, welcome to movies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know my words, maybe not the best choice of words to describe what I'm talking about. I I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. This is still just a force of nature that we're watching occur. We're not really getting a, like, um, there's no agency or whatever about it. It's just like, because Paul Dano whipped up the mob, and this movie has us root for him. And I agree. Like, I don't think the guy was intending to fuck over people when he did that. Um, yeah. But still, the whims of large numbers of people are chaotic and random, and this movie doesn't make it feel any less chaotic or random. Yeah. And, and like, it, like, that's the thing is, the average person, I think Paul Dano's character, his first purchase is like $93,000 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. When, if you're watching that and somebody's like, I just dropped $93,000. If you don't have $93,000, what are you thinking when you drop $100, $200, $500, $1,000, right? Like, it feels like this film is not is not it's not looking at the numbers one to one it's looking at the total overall <laughs> like amount of money going in and out like it's it's fun to have paul dano say like today we made five million dollars yesterday we made four million dollars then cut to seth rogan saying you know we lost a billion we lost a billion or whatever but yeah that's not those aren't like they don't feel like real numbers they just feel like a number that sounds big and another number that sounds big to a different sized person <laughs> mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, I agree. I also just on a on a nitpicky note, this movie wants to be fun and silly in the way that the finance people, Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman especially talk. And there's a moment in particular where they all kind of cut to each other saying shitballs. I don't I don't believe those people would say shitballs. I just don't believe those characters at all. <laughs> this this just feels like a goofy comedy trope and I'm like that is not finance bro talk. That I mean, is I believe that that is Ron Swanson talk honestly. I, like, <laughs> I was going to say I believe those actors would say that. I don't believe their characters yeah. would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like this movie doesn't get the details right or it doesn't care about the details, which is fine. It just makes it feel like a a game of dress up. I don't know. It wasn't as gratifying as movies that really try to show you what it felt like to be all of those different people. Yeah. Cool. Is that, is that, should we short squeeze this episode? (laughs) Yeah. I 
I think we should. Uh, this has been another episode of Dumb Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, Stephen, let's get to our verdicts for this film. If you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? To me, this is a total wait for rental. This is a movie that the true story is entertaining. And to the degree that it reflects the true story, I had fun. I had fun. I didn't participate in the memes in the moment. So learning like diamond hands and stuff like that and seeing the origin of tendies, like that was fun. I, I, I like it well enough, but that's all this is. It is a, a thing that you should find on Netflix and be like, oh, hey, that real thing that happened. Here's a movie that kind of depicts it. Let me watch that for an hour and a half. Um, it just does, it it was not theatrical. It didn't add a lot, and I think it's just like a fine movie and nothing more than that. Yeah, it was enjoyable enough to watch, um, but it's definitely a wait for rental. It's something that you know when you come upon the time to actually watch it, <laughs> you'll you'll enjoy it enough during your time. But it's not something that you should rush out and see. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the spoiler warning. If people want to find you throughout the week, Stephen, where should they do that? Uh, they can find me at twitter.com slash S David Miller, uh, Blue Sky Threads everywhere, S David Miller, S David Miller.com, or uh, Reddit slash Roaring something. <laughs> cool. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or ChristopherIRL at Mastodon.social. Um, if you want to know about the podcast, you can head over to the spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, you know, whatever royalty-free version of WAP I can find is mm. <laughs> probably playing. That is the real the, the real effect of watching this movie is WAP has been stuck in my head ever since I watched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. Um, man, we had so many technical difficulties during this recording. I have no idea what the final episode is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither do I. I um, I feel like I need to call Comcast and get a different internet connection. Tonight's <laughs> internet has really just been horrible. But the worst part is I don't I don't know that it's all you. I had yeah. I had problems before. I just I just we hadn't started recording yet, so I just was suffering mm. through it. Luckily, once we started recording, it was going. But anyways, this is all fun, fun after show. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening, and we will. Uh, We'll, we'll, we'll see you in the next review. Bye. Bye. I'm a bad bitch every day of the week. If I hop up on the mic, they gon' play it on repeat. Cash a hundred milli check, I get paid just to breathe. Kill it 24-7 cause I stay in my sleep. Uh, I'm still recording, but I lost my internet connection. You were, I mean, I'm still talking to you. <laughs> can you okay, hear me? I, yeah, I can hear you. Google just said you lost your network connection trying to reconnect.